Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The gospel for today is a well-known gospel. I'm sure many of us have heard it. And yet it really trips us up. There's a Latin phrase. It's called corusio eptimi essima, which means corruption of the best is often the worst. We see this all around our culture and our country and the world. And yet the worst possible place that we could see this corruption is in religion. What do I mean by this? Well, religion, by its very nature, is meant to unite us to God and to each other. And yet, it can be hijacked by the worst instincts or tendencies. In doing so, religion is then turning on itself, doing what it shouldn't do. Now, if you read many of Paul's letters, Paul addressed this all the time. So this must have been very prevalent in Paul's time, as well as Jesus. Unfortunately, it's also prevalent in our time. Paul, for example, in his letters, he points out how the law, the Torah, is the law that was given to us by God, which is the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes. But, Paul says, it can be used as a weapon to either puff up a person's ego or put people down. So, again, the law turns on itself. See, Jesus points this out with the Pharisee in the parable for today. The Pharisee knew the law. He is a scholar of the law. And in doing so, he considers himself more devout and morally superior than the average person. Now, we see that, unfortunately, in our day and age. You know, a person who's Catholic can say, you know, I know Catholic tradition and sacraments and sacred scripture. And then they use it as a way in which they feel morally superior to other Catholics that don't necessarily know Scripture that well or our tradition. You know, a, a funny example of this is Saturday night, that church lady, which was a satire about 15, maybe 20 years ago, was Dana Carvey. He played this fussy church lady who knew the Bible like the back of her hand, and yet she used that knowledge of the Bible to pass judgment upon people or everything in our culture. See, the whole point of religion is meant to draw us together and back to God. The very word suggests it. The word religion comes from two Latin words, reli and jure, which when combined together mean to tie back to. Well, religion ties us back to God. What's the implication? We are all fallen. We are all fallen away from God due to original sin, start with Adam and Eve in the fall of grace. And yet religion ties us back or reconciles us back to God. How often, though, the very beliefs and the practices that are used to foster connection with us 
ends up fostering division. See, that's what the gospel is getting at today. The parable that Jesus gives us today really helps us to see how people can get backed into a corner. And Jesus, once again, he uses humor to show us this, just like he did last week. Now, how does the parable begin? It says, Jesus addressed those convinced of their own righteousness and despised everyone. And so Jesus, he addresses this parable to those people who know the law and then use it as a weapon to, do, to declare how morally superior they are to everyone else. Now, the two people in this parable, the tax collector and the Pharisee, we see they're polar opposites of each other. And we also learn about their motivation to pray, which is also directly opposite of each other. Now, take the Pharisee first. Pharisees are scholars of the law. They know the law. They've studied it for years. In our day and age, we would call them theologians. Now, notice the story continues. The Pharisee took up position, which means he's standing. He's standing right in the center of the synagogue so that everyone can see him and listen to him. Now, you have to realize in the ancient world, standing was a common posture for prayer. For us, in our day and age, when we go into a church, we immediately kneel down. That's the proper posture for when we pray. But that wasn't so in the ancient world. In the ancient world, people prayed standing up. Now, the Pharisee continues. He says, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like the rest of humanity. Well, his prayer starts off good, in a good way, with gratitude towards God. But then the Pharisee gives it all away. He says, I'm not like the rest of the people. Well, now we see this prayer is filled with pride. He comes before the Lord, beaming with pride. Well, that's never good. Turn to Proverbs 29.23. It says, humble yourself before the Lord, and the Lord will exalt you. Well, next, the Pharisee gives us this litany of things he doesn't do. He says, I'm not greedy or dishonest. Well, what really is he doing? Well, we would say he's singing his own praises. See, that is what Jesus railed against, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Now, what makes this parable so funny is that this Pharisee has fallen into his own trap. He's blinded by his own faults. When in fact, the Pharisee is just as bad, if not maybe even worse, than this tax collector. Now, yes, we have to give this Pharisee some credit. He's done a good job. But the problem is, he's done good things with entirely the wrong attitude of self-serving. You know, why should we avoid being greedy and dishonest? Better yet, why should we avoid sin? Well, it's not for our own self-acclaim. That shouldn't be our motivation. Instead, we try and live a good life, motivated always by our love for God. See, the whole point of doing good things is growing in our relationship and our faith in God, becoming the person that God created us to be. The problem with this Pharisee is that the Pharisee is boasting at how much he's distinct from all other people. He's celebrating not the good things he's done, but he's celebrating that the good things he's done set him apart from others and therefore make him morally superior than others. That's why he says, thank God I'm not like the others. 
See, the key here is we can do right things or good things for all the wrong reasons. The danger is when we do good things, then we feel morally superior over all the other people. Now notice this prayer really is a prayer of self-love. This prayer is void of love for God and others, which is the opposite of who God is and what God wants from us. Now, with that in mind, turn our attention to the tax collector. It said the tax collector, he stood at a distance. Well, he's probably way back in the corner of the synagogue, probably in the dark shadows, so nobody sees or hears him. Well, now we're going to hear from this tax collector a prayer of humility. Now, notice some of the details here. He stands far off, which means he doesn't feel worthy being close to God. Next, it says, he kept his eyes lowered, which is a sign of humility. The Pharisee, when he prayed, his eyes were straight up to heaven. Next, the tax collector, it says he beats his chest, which is a traditional sign of repentance. He cries out for mercy. Now, don't make the mistake of romanticizing this tax collector. He wasn't of a good character. None of them were. Remember, tax collectors were considered collaborators with the Romans. They collected taxes from the Israelites from their hard-earned money. And the taxes essentially went to the Romans. Now, when we pay taxes, we know that our federal taxes go to programs like defense, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, or local taxes. We know that those taxes go to roads or schools. Those taxes benefit us. But those taxes they paid to the Romans didn't benefit the Israelites. Part of the tax went to Caesar as tribute, and the rest of it went to the Roman army, the very people occupying the Israelites. Worse yet, or to add insult to injury, the tax collectors, they paid themselves a salary by essentially skimming off the top of the taxes they collected. So yeah, tax collectors were hated. But notice how he prays. He doesn't pray about himself, boasting about the good works he's done. But he prays to God. And see, that's the key. He admits he's done some very bad things. And yet he understands the importance of religion, to tie us back to God. He's not like the Pharisee, who uses religion as a weapon. Now, here's the lessons we can take from this. When we pray, we have to pray like that tax collector did, seeking to unite us back to God. All of us, when we pray, we're above all hungry for God's mercy, wanting, wanting to be tied back or reconciling ourselves to God. Notice at the very end what Jesus says, I tell you, the latter, being the tax collector, went home justified and not the former, which is the Pharisee. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now, when Jesus says justified, essentially what that means is reconciled or reconciliation. Jesus calls all of us to reconciliation to him with humility, and we receive it, just like that tax collector did. When we pray, we pray with humility, never thinking that we're morally superior to anybody. And see, then we will always be tied back to God, 
which is exactly what God wants for each and every one of us. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.